Jim, I won't string you along for this intro because today we have a very exciting guest to discuss our episode topic, which is Chord Magic. Guest author, Brandy Williams! Light from Lantern presents Knit a Spell. I'm magical maker, Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. I am so thrilled you're here. Jim, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about Brandy? Brandy Williams is a Wiccan high priestess, pagan magician, and tantric yogini who loves to make chords. She's the author of five books with five exclamation points in parentheses after that is what we wrote because we're like, what? I'm having trouble writing just one book, including this book. If you're watching, Chord Magic, Tapping into the Power of String, Yarn, Twists, and Knots, published by Llewellyn. Welcome, Brandy, to Knit a Spell. Yay! Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to knitters and makers. Well, I tried to make Jim a knitter, and it's not that he's not, (laughs) but he's on a hiatus. (laughs) (laughs) I have, I can say that I have knit, and, you know, you know, it. And that's more than a lot of people. I'd rather paint. I'd rather paint. There you go. Making is making. Indeed. And as we're about to find out today, you can do a lot more with that yarn than just knit it or crochet it. You can do magic with it. So let's start off, Brandy, by having you define what chord magic is for you. Exactly. Chord magic is about taking fiber and applying your magical knowledge to the fiber to create a talisman. And something that I really love about chord magic is that it lets you make the intangible tangible. It lets you capture a moment or a thought or something that you've seen, colors that you've seen, put them together. Chord magic lets you do that. And it's so fast. I mean, you can grab um, yarn or or string or embroidery floss and make um, something to protect somebody or to heal somebody or to give them a birthday present. So it's very quick um, and it's very creative. You can use color and number and just thought um, to to create your talisman. So that's what that's what cord magic is. It's it's creating talismans from fiber. For people so, who don't enjoy like journaling and things, it seems like almost a really great meditative alternative to sort of get down your thoughts and think through things instead of feeling like you have to take so much time to sit down and write something. Oh, that's lovely. And I, I want to say, too, that when when people um, when I say chord magic, people immediately say knots, not magic. And not magic is is great. And not magic is something you can do with chords. But the chord itself is the the magical talisman. When I was writing the book, my, my editor came back to me and said, this is wonderful. And here's a good place to put some more knots. <laughs> so ah. people are really interested in knots and knots are important. But I want to I want to really um, sort of show people how to create the chord itself. Because the chord is um, itself, the, the, the gestures you use to make the chord are different than the, the gestures and energy you use to make a knot. They're, they're distinct. Mm. I so, love that distinction. Yeah. I, 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 I'm immediately thinking about um, my boyfriend, Michael, who spins his own yarn. And so I have, in fact, I have a, a very large, I know, worshiping the ground he walks on. 
<laughs> I, I own a um, very large wrap, hooded wrap that took him two years to craft oh, because my. it is predominantly applied, dyed and knitted by his own hands. And I think about these pictures, like these images all that summer when he is just walking around with that drop spindle, wherever we are at the park as we're walking Mm -hmm. and he's just walking along with that drop spindle as his, you know, thing that he's doing. And I think about, right. The cord itself is a talisman, the the fight, like the string itself, the cord itself, and then the plying of the cord, which is also an interesting twist. And I, I just, I think about when we think about spirals, when we think about motion going DSL or Wittershins or going sunwise clockwise or counterclockwise and the way that twist holds energy and how then you have to twist it the other way to keep it from untwisting. Yeah. These are things that I read about in your book. And now as we're talking, I'm really thinking about, yeah. and we have this month being all about not magic and we're making lots of jokes and puns about not not magic, not but, but really <laughs> this cord magic idea and the idea of the twist and the string and the ancientness of, of string and cord is really mind blowing. It is. It's really lovely. Do you want me to do one really fast? Um, I can, um, I can show you just, just very quickly um, yeah. how, how it works. So describe it as you do it for people who aren't able to watch. So I have a, um, I have three strands of a yarn and I've made it little enough so that I can actually make it and try to put it on camera. I have, um, they're all the same size and they're not on, on each end. One end I've got in a um, carabiner, little S carabiner, so I can clip it to something. I don't have anything that I can clip it to that's, um, that's on camera, but I'm going to clip it to my, my um, desk handle so that my, my desk drawer handle so that it, it's held. What you need is you need one end to be held um, and then you get to hold to the other end. So you can give this to a person. <laughs> that works better when you have a person actually, but I am do it myself. So I put Just like on. winding yarn. <laughs> it's like winding yarn, yeah. So what I do then um, is that I take the yarn and I start turning it. And I the direction of the turn matters to me. I go outward when I wanna send energy out into the world and I go toward me inward when I want to bring something toward me. And since this is a teaching cord, I always turn those outward. And so I'm just going to turn it just a little bit. And let's see if I can actually do this. So what you've done, I just want to describe what you've done is you've taken the cord and you've turned it over the top with your hands over and over and over again. And you've gotten kind of like how you twist a balsa wood airplane rubber band with yes. a propeller. You've just put a twist on those three strands of yarn. I have. And now what I have is I have an intention in this yarn and it's it's wound into it. So the, the twist has that energy, but it's going to release if I let both sides go. Um, I need one more hand. <laughs> yep, that's, I was gonna say. <laughs> So she used her mouth. So what she did was she bit in, she bit in the center and then she folded it over and grabbed both ends. So now the the cord is folded in half. Yeah. Yeah. I want to show you both ends. Um, A person would be holding it and you'd grab it in the middle. You bring the two ends together. And then what you do is you let it go and it twists. Now that twist is now solid. Now you can knot both ends and it will stay solid. So it's twisted back on itself. It's spun in two directions. 
And that's why it's different from a knot because a knot, you can now take this and you can make a knot in this and put an intention, but it's a different mm. movement. Um, it, that's holding energy in a different way than this. This is twisted energy. So, so a go. knot is something you do to the cord. It's not part of the cord magic necessary. I mean, it is, yeah. but like it not, it's not essentially only that. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly mm. right. Oh I, my that is amazing. That is amazing. So you're basically plying it. That's, That's the right. same. What you just did is what people do when they apply yarn to make it a stable, twisted on itself piece of yarn. Yeah, that's right. And in the in the book, I got a little technical about what the twist is, S twist and Z twist, and um and and how how it works, how that that um mm -hmm. works in terms of physics. But that's that's generally it. Yeah, because um, each of these is not really one strand. Everything that we work with is already twisted in some way. Like embroidery floss is already six strands, which yes. you know is your embroider because you're like, wait. There's a little teeny. And what you have right now, this finished cord, looks like how embroidery floss is sold in like a little twisted hank, essentially, which is what yes. I thought of as soon as I read your book. And it's funny because we emailed ahead of time and you asked me, oh, have you ever done any cord magic? And I said, I don't think intentionally. And then as <laughs> soon as I got how to do it, I thought, oh, my gosh. I have done this a zillion times by hanking skeins of yarn over and over and over again. That is exactly the same process. Twist it. Uh, I would use my chin, not my whole mouth, but you know, because it was a lot of yarn. Uh, fold it in half. And that was exactly what I did. So, oh, I didn't realize it was like so yeah. similar. I did just lacked the intent the whole time was just make it pretty. <laughs> I guess that's so an intent. Easy. This is such an easy thing to do. And humans have been teaching each other to do this since we were human. I mean, we really did learn this from the Neanderthals. This is a real thing. <laughs> so it's yeah. very, 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 very old and very basic to us. Um, and, and I love doing it. When I, when I do workshops, I take like big bags of yarn and throw them out, show people how to do this. And it's two minutes of training. And then mm. they just go off and make, make cords. And I just love doing that. I can't wait to do that again when, when sort of the world opens up a little bit more. Because uh, I wrote this book, book, like I started it before the pandemic. Pandemic and now the pandemic has happened. So I'm doing a lot of stuff on camera instead of in person, but mm -hmm. I love doing it in person and, and showing people how to do it because then it, it encourages people to interact with fiber in a really easy way. Knitting, knitting takes a little bit of time and a little bit of dexterity. I, I have, I have yet to meet someone who's, who's got hands that move. <laughs> yeah. You can't do this. Oh, and would you say that's probably what resonates with you mostly about cord magic? It's accessibility. It's ease. Oh yeah, excess well, because I love fiber. <laughs> well, that helps too, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> and so here I have my um my ends, like mm. the projects that I've done, right? And and you have all, all your little ends, right? And they're just beautiful, right? They're just, just gorgeous colors. You walk into the yarn store and see the colors and feel the um feel the textures. So it's a it's a way to interact with um with cords with with fiber and get fiber magically into my life. So for those who are listening, Brandy just held up a beautiful basket and inside is a riotous, riotous number of colorful balls of yarn, just little ends of yarn. And at first I thought, oh, is that Easter eggs? No, they're little balls of kind yarn, of. all of her ends. Yarn. Just it's, gorgeous. You've mm. finished your hat and you've still got some of that beautiful material and you don't want to give it away and, you know, throw it away or give it to Goodwill. So you just hang on to it. Go do something with that. That thing is a cord. 
So what do I do? Yes. So I've, I've just made a cord like you've made and it seems yeah. I've measured the cord from the middle of my nose to the end of my, um, of as my witch, finger. As a good witch, you have done that like, measurement. You use good you witch has, measure. right? I loved that, book, that, by the way. <sighs> and then I've twisted it. I've held it in my mouth and I've turned it on itself and I've made a cord. That's and now this cord is uncannily the length of like my wrist mm-hmm. or the length of something. Do I wear it as a bracelet? Mm-hmm. Do I wear it? Do I t- put it in my pocket? What do I do with it? Mm. I have one on that is my cord that I wear when I am teaching people cord magic. So that's one way to do it. You can wear oh, it you use it as a, to hold your pinnacle, your, I your have pendant. A, yeah. Yeah, mm. I have a, a seven-pointed star for the for the planet. So that's one way to do one thing to do it with. Um, I I make these this this length is a really good length to go on a, a um, luggage handle because it it then is a you've put your protection intention in the cord and it also helps you identify it when it the all those identical black bags come off off the the luggage carousel. How that's did you know what color my bag was? <laughs> <laughs> She's a witch, yeah. Jim. Duh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I, I do a lot of these for, for people who like have, if you have somebody in a wheelchair, you can do this and put that on their wheelchair. So it's, it just makes a very portable, um, a very portable little talisman. I loved, I loved um, doing the research for the book and looking at the, the ways the ancients would, would use these. And th- this goes back to the Babylonian courts. They would make little cords and put knots in them and take them into, into court to, to be triumphant in their, you know, in their suit. <laughs> you know, so. Gosh, yeah. I learned again, a ton about how string has been around forever. I think you said like 90,000 years or something in your book. And oh, again, I alive, you know, they go into these caves and they find that, the, that it's still there. It's so exciting. And the fact that it, I mean, yeah, the technology around making it maybe has come a little bit, but like string is still string. We still knit with it. We still do really basic kind of like quote old fashioned traditions using it. There's mm-hmm. not like, I mean, there's glue, but I don't really feel that that's a good substitute for something that's sewn necessarily. So the fact that like thread is still so essential to today, where like, you know, fire, we have like air conditioning and heaters. It's just a bit of a different technology. It doesn't even really have fire in it necessarily, but string is still string. And I just love Mm -hmm. that. But so, I mean, I just think about how fundamental it was to humans from the very beginning, like, I want to take two sticks and it would be so helpful if these sticks were connected Yeah, and, you know, just lashing them together with grass. I mean, it's just, yeah. I don't, I can't imagine that not being a fundamental before the wheel, mm-hmm. you know, type of yeah. tool and invention. And then yeah. you take string and you knot it and you have a net and you can capture things. So you can, you have a bag to carry things and you can uh, capture small animals. It is the, the oldest tool. I mean, it, it's right up there with, you know, little stone um, implements. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm, one of yeah. our very oldest tools. Oh, I want to know. Maybe what... a pendulum is like the oldest divination. It's a rock and stick or a string. Hmm. Oh, you're right. Hmm. Sure. Just random yeah. thought there. <laughs> What, what, so you've had, you said you wrote this book before the pandemic. Has -hmm. this been, was this book forming in your mind for a long time? What inspired you to write this? I mean, you had already written several books before. What inspired this book for you? I love cord magic and I've been doing it for um, a long time. (laughs) I think, 
I think it was it was probably the late 80s that um, Rhea Loder came to town and she still lives here in Seattle. Rhea Loder yeah. came to town and taught us all this. And then we went nuts for it. And we would we would do it at, um, at workshops. We would do it when we got together. And I've just been doing it this whole time. And when I um, when I thought about what I wanted to do with my next book, I'd written a couple of really intellectual books where I had really um, um, gone into research and, and thinking. I said, I want my next book to be another practical book. Uh, my book, Practical Magic for Beginners, is the, the book that's still in print. It's been in print for 15 years. I'm really proud of that one. I said, you know, I want to get back to just just something that's like down to earth and grounded. And I've always wanted to, to write a chord magic book. I said, oh, why don't I do chord magic? And and it's it's worked out actually. People really respond to it, which I'm I'm very happy about. For yeah. sure. I mean, I think it's so accessible. It's such a <laughs> this book is written in such an amazing way. It has um the right amount of historical references. Like what I really appreciate is when um people cite their sources. And there are a lot of books written and magical books that are written with almost zero sources. And I deeply appreciate I I was reading some of the stories in the beginning of the book, you're reading um, these fictionalized stories of, you know, a Neanderthal who's using, you know, cord and a, you know, homo erectus, you know, human who sees this and is learning, but then it's referenced. In the yeah. following page, you see that actually Brandy is referencing research that has found these things in different places. And you and you think, oh, my God, that could have been a po- that is actually based on, you know, something that could have happened. We could have seen this that he, that modern humans learn from Neanderthal humans. Right. And so it's a really I just love that you've brought so you've brought the science and magic together in this book. And it's, it's deeply, deeply meaningful and wise. It's a fantastic book. And you, I mean, it's just chock full of correspondences that are really yes. um, legit and excellent references. You don't, for anyone, even if you don't ever do chord magic, reading this book is useful because mm-hmm. of the correspondences with the planetary correspondences, color correspondences, Herbal. I mean, it's fantastic. It's easily like a very great reference book that you could have, whether you're like a maker who's kind of interested in being more magical, because again, so much information on just making aspects, you know, there's a lot of crafting elements like the S and Z twists, you know, so if you feel like the magic aspects are a little bit uh, wary for you, it's a great way to sort of like ease in because there's lots of practical elements to sort of quote ground you and then see how it can be put in there. And actually Jim and I were talking about how the um, purposes section is like, so good. Oh, as you reflect in there, it is hard to know what you want. So um, really defining it and using chord magic as a way to focus and and maybe reveal to yourself what you want or don't want in the process is extremely powerful. Yeah. Talk are about you, are you being honest with yourself about what you want? Are you saying I can't have that thing? Mm-hmm. You, you know, um, can I admit to myself my desire? That's part of the magic of doing the making. Talk about the process of coming up with a purpose or intent for magic. I mean that that chapter was really moving to me. So will you t- tell us a little bit about your philosophy on that? Well, I 
thought that um, there are, I'm a, I'm a history geek and thank you so much for liking the history because <laughs> I've, I've written, a, my, I'm, I'm reprinting my book for the love of the gods, which is all about history. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was um, critically acclaimed, but did not sell well. <laughs> So I always love it when people relate to the history and I, I have to dial it back. I mean, I could really, I, I have a lot of material that did not go into the book about Ooh. color and where it came from and that kind of thing. When I, when I think about historically why people do magic, what, what brings people to magic, there, there are just a couple of fundamental categories that are human needs that we all, we all reach for. And that that's health and love and prosperity, you know, being able to eat and have some place to live, and then a sense of meaning or purpose in your life. And then I just went through it, like uh, thinking about all of the places where that might pertain in my life or in people that I know. Um, we need a job. We need a place to live. We need a new place to live. <laughs> yep. We need a new roommate, you know, so th- you can just like get really granular about it. So I just kind of listed them. But to start with, just thinking about the fundamental reasons people do magic and then just making that accessible in terms of um, in terms of doing the 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 intention. Yeah. And then I, I simplified it. I could have, I started out writing rhyming couplets for everything. And I'm like, nah, you know. <laughs> I appreciate that because people, like Jim has said, will take everything you say as gospel if it's like in a book or a class or something. So if you put it in like a rhymy way, even if, like you say, you don't have to do this, if it's exampled that way, right. forget it. It's like right. knitting something in blue. Most of the people will want to make it in blue. Oh, so. with the exact yarn, right? Oh, with yeah. the yarn that the, the the pattern tells you, you've got to go get Lion Brand, you know. Yes. Pattern, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, you, you saw how fast that goes, right? So even even if you're making a fairly complicated cord with lots of colors and lots of strands, it's only going to take you a minute or two. So you don't really want to have to write, you know, <clears throat> remember an entire poem. <laughs> you just yes. want the intent. Like, I mean this to teach people how to make cords. That's it. We're done. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I'm a believer in keeping it stupid simple. And that is the key. And may I just add the fact that everything is positive is as part of your intention, like being very careful about choosing your words and not including things that you are trying to avoid. (laughs) Um, It's a great way to practice magic. It's a great way to retrain your brain in general. Yeah, yes. that's excellent. That's very, very true. That's very smart, Katie. <laughs> I think we should take a break. And yes. when we come back, we are going to ask a whole bunch more questions and even check out a little bit of those crafty hands of yours. Stick around, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, Knit Spell fans. Are you enjoying this episode? Considering investing in a copy of Brandy Williams' book, Court Magic, for yourself? Well, you're in luck. We've partnered with Llewellyn, who has generously provided three copies of Court Magic for us to give away this week to our listeners. To enter for your chance to win and to learn more, visit lightfromlantern.com forward slash Court Magic giveaway. Submissions will be accepted now through March 1st. One submission per person. Three winners will be chosen at random and announced on next week's episode on March 2nd. Good luck and thanks for listening. And we're back. Uh, I'm interested to know, how did writing your book, Brandy, how did you think this changed you as a witch, as a maker, as a writer? You know, um, I do, as you said at the beginning of the, the show, I do a lot of magics. And I've been centered in the ceremonial world for about 20 years. And so bringing writing this book brought me back to the world of witchcraft. I'm a witch. And I have a coven that has been meeting for since 1987. 
and we meet for the Sabbaths. We, we we haven't missed one. So I, I do have that in my life. It's always in my life, but it's not always the, the thing that I'm focused on. And so I, I, the book has allowed me to kind of come back to the world of witchcraft and to connect up with what people are doing as witches today. And I want to say it is so exciting. There is so much stuff going on in witchcraft and, and um, it, it's become more mainstream. It's become more popular. There are younger people in, in witchcraft. When we first started, when I was um, when I was a young woman, we wanted people to be able to walk around and say, I'm a witch and for that to be okay. And it mm. really is. And I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to see how the world has changed. So it's, it's brought me back to the, the, um, the, the center of connecting up with the, the world and connecting with each other. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so touching. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> again, it's one of those things where you get into it so much and then you start kind of losing that student aspect so it's nice that it kind of brought you back around refreshing new perspective yeah you're never too old to learn something and and um and you're never too young to be wise that's something that's come up as i I talk to people yeah I love that. You're never too young to be wise. I <laughs> no, love that. It came Ooh. across my newsfeed. There was a little five-year-old whose mom said, she's driving him to school and she said, I'm nervous. And he says, mom, I get nervous all the time. I know how to handle this. You say your affirmations with your mouth and your mind. So you say, <laughs> I I am I am brave of this meeting. There will be donuts. Him. I smell good. <laughs> I said, that is fantastic. That is Dang. absolute wisdom. <laughs> yes. That kid's going to rule the world. Yeah. Oh, that is so great. Yeah. Uh, tell us, a, oh, I love stories. I love storytelling. I want to hear a story about your most memorable, magical chord magic experience. So tell us a little yeah, story. Dish. I will. Um, there, have, there have been so many, and I wrote a bunch in the book, but sure. most recently we've had this pandemic and it's been hard to meet people. So I meet with my friends in the state parks and the state parks in Washington state um, are, are, they're beautiful. They're all in, in settings that have lots of trees or there's water and they have shelters, picnic shelters you can meet, or you can rent, um, you can rent campsites and there are bathrooms. So, you know, it's it's a safe place to meet and an easy place to meet. So my I, I rented a campsite for my coven to do, uh, I called it a day trip. And we went out um, and, and brought, I brought a project and the project I brought was materials to make a witch's ladder. So when people talk about witch's ladder, you often hear the nine knot spell. And the nine knot spell is a perfectly wonderful spell. And if you know it as the witch's ladder, that's okay because any way you do magic is okay. <laughs> but what I go. found when I was writing this book, when I did the research, I found that the original thing that was called the witch's ladder was found in a in a attic in England. And it was written up in a folklore magazine. And it was really about a cord and feathers, you put feathers in the cord. So I took the, um, I took a bunch of yarn and this yarn was special to me because I dyed the red, it's like uh, dyed with beets. So I, I, um, I didn't spin the yarn. <laughs> I, I had someone else, I got an Etsy yarn that, that would take um, dye. But um, so I, I did one of these um, dyed and it's the colors red, white, and black, which are the really oldest colors that, that um, we use and that is very meaningful to witches. Um, and then the feathers, you have to use you have to use chicken feathers. It's not legal to use feathers that you pick up from the ground, which is something I found writing the book. And I was really surprised. And I would, you yes. know, I'd be like, 
look at that beautiful feather that I cannot use. You know, it's like it's heartbreaking because there are feathers all over. The reason was that people used to kill songbirds for their feathers, so they they made it illegal to have the feather, no matter why you had the it was on on the ground. You know, it belongs to nature. So I, I got um, some chicken feathers from Etsy, um, um, but some of them are really I, I'm showing to the camera oh, that I have a string with uh, with 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 the uh, feathers in them, and they can be beautiful and they can be different sizes. So I put long ones on the bottom and short ones on the top and so my whole coven made uh, witches ladders together and then we all sent a, an intent together so the way you use it is you you speak your intent and walk your fingers up the feathers and send the intent out in the world that's the ladder um, so I, I was very proud of this in the book and it was also a very meaningful moment to, to get together with the coven and be in nature with each other and to be doing something so very witchy oh my gosh <laughs> Yeah, that was a big learning experience for me regarding the feathers as well, because I mean, my mom was always like, don't ever touch a feather, they're gross and dirty. So I've never like had an affinity to really want to touch them. But I always admire them when I see them, especially in the Pacific Northwest, where we have like a zillion crows. So they're always out yeah. there. And uh, Stellar's Jays, which have beautiful blue feathers. And mm. um, of course, the, all the raptors, we, we all, m most of us know that we're not to, to touch raptor feathers, same reason because you, you you don't want to have been seen to you know have killed them um, Native Americans can can hold raptor feathers because it's it's religiously significant but even crow feathers are not legal to no good have. is it's yeah. an interesting thing to know because often people will pick up a feather on the ground yeah or and, like turkey feathers same thing yeah. nope mm -hmm. right? yeah. which is weird when you think about pigeon feathers but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A turkey feather because you can own a feather of something that is a domestic animal that you would kill and eat if you can own a turkey you can own its feather so oh. i have people i i actually i was looking for um no. goose and duck feathers at one point and i'm like give me a goose feather <laughs> asking my farmers the next time you kill a goose can i have the feathers <laughs> i like that yes your, and your witch's your witch's ladder is just stunningly beautiful with those feathers it's when we yeah. make when i have made which uh witch ladders in in our episode um, this month that we just did, we talk about doing witch ladders and in our tradition. We do them unconventionally by putting whatever trinkets into a witch ladder, not just feathers. But you did a very traditional one with feathers, but you can put dollar bills or you can put intentions. You can put, beads. you know, all kinds of yes. beads in there. So, oh, you know, it's also I, a way to do it but i love that way that that looks and if you're so if you're able to watch the youtube or the instagram video of this episode dear listener it's worth seeing that witch's ladder that brandy held up it is stunning well thank you and i want to say you know about uh, non-traditional that traditions vary so much um most traditional books call the nine not spell a witch's ladder so what you're doing is beautiful and it is your tradition <laughs> Yeah, good point. Well, it's what we did once, and now we do it again. So it's a tradition oh, if you do it twice. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so let me ask you this. When you make a witch's ladder, something so beautiful like that, where do you um, where do you display it? I That's such a great question. I have, <laughs> um, I have a, a, um, a peg. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, what are they called? Those little things you stick in the wall. So you have a peg or a hook on the wall and you yeah. hang it on the wall then? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Easy I mean, enough. That's how I used to, to, to uh, push pins. That's the 
The push pin. Push pin. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Well, I always thought they kind of look like a mobile, so it makes sense that you would kind of just like stick it up there. So. Oh, you know what? You could do it as a mobile. Wouldn't that be fun? Mm. You could, in fact, do. Sorry, project. You could do, do a it. whole cord magic mobile. I had not mm. thought of that. That would be really fun. You could do all the planets and you know do planetary cords and then. Oh, well, uh, follow Brandy on Instagram <laughs> to see as, she, this project. as she creates these projects inspired by Knit a Spell. That's right. Yes. This the Planetary not, Mobile. <laughs> this is not the first time that a guest on our podcast has gone away with a project. And uh, yeah. it is funny how often those things become reality. It's fun. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so while we have you here, I'm interested in talking a little bit about color theory. So color is a section in your book. Obviously, it's a huge way to add intent to your magic. When I took a color theory class in college, my instructor said, hey, look at these colors. Look at the person next to you. They don't see those colors the same. And yes. that blew my mind that I would never be able to match and describe a color to someone exactly the way that they would see it because we all see it differently. <gasps> Have you not ever gotten into a color fight with somebody? Maybe I just didn't realize why we were That's having purple. the fight. No, it's not. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's blue, bluey purple. No, it's reddish purple. And you're like, Who? it's okay, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. so some of the theories that were in your book were people who see color differently, quote, yes colorblind, even though it's far from blind. Um, and then tetrachromats, which can see a wider range of colors. So um, I'm interested to know, what what do you feel about color that is so essential to magic? And, and why does it affect us so much? Oh, and that was a, a question that I asked myself, what what is what can we really say about color? And the first thing I did was to look at what science tells us about color and how we respond to it. And there are um, there are just a couple of things that are, are, are about how we respond to light, how we respond to, to color in nature. So red is a color that rivets our attention and warns us that there's something we need to pay attention to. And blue is a color that generally calms people. So if you put blue light in a room, then it will it will be a calming thing. Aside from that, the meanings that we ascribe to color are really cultural. So white for us is a color that brides wear, and in Japan, white is a color of mourning. So there's no absolute meaning for each color that we see. And we all see, as you said, we all see color differently. And I was thinking about, as I wrote this book, how am I going to, to write a book that a person who is colorblind, um, colorblind, I don't like the term, uh, a person who sees color differently, how are they going to be able to use it? And that really focused me on the, the find your own meaning part of the book that was really the most important thing to me. I, I give sample meanings for colors and sort of categorize them said so if you know if you need one you need to grab it off the shelf you need to know what somebody else thought or what sort of more or less standard color theory in in the western esoteric world here you can have this but here's a list of colors and here's the blank you tell me what that color means to you and for people um, who see color differently you name the color you know what you mean when you're looking at the color so you name that color and then you put your meaning and that's what goes into your your magic and that that's the that's was so important to me in the book that we we know that we bring the meaning to the magic and we we control that nobody is telling us how to see the world we uh, the way we see the world is the most valid way for us I feel Open like i need to come out now <laughs> 
<laughs> on I don't think I've we've ever have we talked about this on Spell? I don't think we've ever maybe in passing, but probably not like as a quote announcement. This just in (laughs) Jim is colorblind. So as a, I am colorblind and it is interesting because um, red does not hit me the same. Right. And especially green, I'm red, green, colorblind, and I'm more green blind than I am red blind. But if I look out at a sea, like, Here's a perfect example. If you, if anyone knows the game bocce ball, um, this is where you take spheres like balls. You have three balls and you cast them out onto a green lawn and you have this little yellow ball, but you can be a color. You have a large field and you've got these, someone's blue, someone is red, someone is Mm. a different color. I can never be red because I'm not going to see that red ball on the green grass. And it is so strange to people because um, it's so obvious that the red and the green, but green grass is such a primary vibrant green and the red of the bocce ball is such a primary vibrant red that they're the same color to me. They're they're the same value. They're the same darkness level. And they're just like, man, I will not see that save for the shape. I'll see the Mm. shape, of course. what, What color is the sky? So the sky is light blue when it's a bright, sunny day. Um, However, it's the same color as lavender. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for me to swap those Mm -hmm. because I don't see the red. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy for me to say, oh, well, it's no different from lavender. That lavender is light blue. So like a light periwinkle, right? Lavender. They're the same color, light blue. So I can just imagine the sky being periwinkle. Or the sidewalks are a gray color. I know this intellectually because people have told me and I'm socialized in that way. So pink is the same color as gray. So I could be a very sad person and imagine that pink things are gray. When I see a woman in a beautiful or a guy in a beautiful light pink shirt, I could just be sad and say, oh, his gray shirt. But instead... Anything that I see that is gray, I immediately just assume is pink. And glasses. It is basically Bingo. like I just look at the world in this way of kind of psychedelic, right? Where sidewalks are pink and the sky is periwinkle. And it's just kind of fun. And yeah, so periwinkle is the sky. So you 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 find a thread that registers periwinkle to you and now you're using it as your sky color i was thinking about the um the the circle the quartered the quartered circle where we put directions and we put elements and we put colors so your east could be periwinkle and your um, your north could be pink your pink so oh fun when i paint beautiful when i paint i line up the paints in a certain way and just paint that way. And it always gets a reaction because people say, you have such an amazing way with color. And I go, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's exactly it. I've always seen it as a superhero power. I mean, guys <laughs> seem to have a really good eye for color. And I now wonder if a lot of those guys had quote, a color blindness on the spectrum at some point that just helped them pinpoint colors better because they had to. What a gift. The the tetrachromats are fascinating because this is seeing into the ultraviolet 
right? Yes. Is that is it that side or is it the infrared it's a, it's, side? It's a, it, it, there's an extra cone in the eye that detects more colors. So if you, yeah. uh, she just came up in the news again, Consuelo. I've forgotten her last name, but there's a very famous tetrachromat artist. If you mm. look at her her images, you're like, that's amazing. And she's, yeah, I see a lot more than you do. <laughs> and it's just wonderful. And and so it lets us into another way of looking at the world. And I'm I'm a firm believer that every every bit of looking at the world differently enriches all of us, truly. That's right. I agree. <clears throat> there's so much more than that we could see. It's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that's why it's, I think, such a huge focus factor in your magic because it's personal. It doesn't really matter how you see color uh, as long as you're choosing what feels right to you. Yeah. And it's an orientation. That's an orientation, a basic orientation in magic that you you assign your own meaning. Um, And I I really like that because there are a lot of books that like hand you meanings. Like if you dream about a cat, it means, you know, and it's really so personal. Yes. That's the, the the fundamental. It's about finding your own power, right? And that's the fundamental thing that that lets you grab your own power. You find your own meaning. It's mm-hmm. one of the things of, in the book. There's a lot of a lot of lists. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of like blanks that you fill in, right? Yeah, I and that. I encourage you to look at this book as a book that will offers you the opportunity, the invitation to do some work, which is to really think about your own association with these things in this conversation. Mm -hmm. That is something that a lot of people, when they read a book are not expecting, or will skip over that particular, the one, you know, grid that has the blanks of you being invited to fill in your own associations. And in this conversation, let that be an invitation, a special invitation from Brandy to actually do that work and to think about, what is my association with the four elements as far as color? What does color really mean to me? Why is it that I should be seeing purple and blue the same, but purple has something to it that is different for me, even though I'm colorblind? Like this is something for all of us to, to start to think about when, you know, I know what the associate, perhaps you know what the association of green is because you've been, you know, told certain things, but what does it really mean to you when you feel it and take a moment to think about it and feel into that color and, and, you know, write about yes. that. What a cool, what a cool opportunity you've given us in this book to do that, that journaling, if not writing in the book, at least journaling on a separate page. Yes. Or as, as Katie said, journaling with your cord. So you have, um, I, I have bags and bags and bags of just like colors. So this one is, um, uh, oh, different, uh, shiny threads, right? So mm. you, you can, you can, and, and this is what I do. <laughs> cut kits right so i've got like purples and i've got reds and i want to make a cord i just grab it and i go i want a red i want a purple and i want a shiny and that helps you to to journal your your thoughts your meanings as well you can explore it and the great thing about cord magic too and and using um little bits of thread is that you can do a lot of it Mm, it's not it's not expensive you can afford because a cord is such a small amount of stuff you can afford a really really spendy like hand spun hand dyed you know the Mm. it's got the name of the sheep on it this yarn you know (laughs) gold thread or something yes yes Yes. yeah Yeah, well you have a lot of great references about 
like just because you're using it for a cord doesn't necessarily mean like that's it. You can undo it and cleanse it. And the book includes all sorts of great information on how to do that because it's again, very practical. So just t as a Virgo, I loved that. And then finding out that you had some Virgo was not surprising at all. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap the episode by looking at your hands. Ooh. What do you think? Here's my hand. Yes. yes. Beautiful. So I am fortunate enough to have received images of Brandy's hands and I'm looking at them on my computer screen here. One of the coolest things about your palms is there's a difference between your right hand and your left hand. Mm -hmm. So if you probably have noticed this, Brandy, that on your left hand, you have your headline, the head, the heart line, sorry, the heart line is the line at the top of your mm -hmm. hand, which is underneath your fingers. And the headline is the line that goes across the middle of your palm underneath the fingers. And then your lifeline is the line that wraps around your thumb that um, allows your thumb to fold in. And on your left hand, you have a distinct heart line and headline that mm -hmm. are separate from each other. But on your right hand, your headline and your heart line are merged into one line across your hand. This is the known as the Simeon line. Since we have the magic of Zoom and we can share, I'll share the screen. So here is the um, heart line up here at the top of the hand and the headline across the middle on the left hand. But on the right hand, they're merged into one line across. And mm -hmm. the Simeon line in the old days, this was seen as oh, her, her feelings will run away with her. She's liable to just take action based on her emotions. And in the Victorian era, that was seen as terrible. You might just fly off the handle or, or do something rash. You and might do something. You might do something. <laughs> you might be a person who does stuff. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, right. She, she, you know, she might pop a corset, you know, um, button <laughs> or something. I totally would pop a corset. I would absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And so this was not seen as a positive thing. It was also uh, seen in apes and monkeys. They have one line like, across the hand. When you said simian. Which, <laughs> yeah, which is why it's called the simian. It's also seen um, with people who have a chromosomal uh, difference um, known as um, uh, Down syndrome. They often have a higher instance of this um, simian line. <laughs> What I see this as in modern interpretations and modern palmists see this as a merging of your head and heart together, that your head and your heart have to be merged. And this is on the right hand. The right hand is your persona in the world, your public persona, how you occur in the public uh, realm and how you occur, you know, um, in, in your career and when you're teaching, all those things. So this is an amazing, it's like encoded integrity. Mm -hmm. into who you are. If you think about oh, apes, crazy. if you think about people who have downs, I worked with downs kids for a long time. Mm -hmm. There is no one in the world that is more, has more integrity with their, between their head and heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What a yeah. beautiful gift we have. The yeah. people so angelic that have mm -hmm. that to have that on your right hand, to just have an integrity about you, Brandy, this is showed up show that shows up here in your palm. It can be difficult because I don't know if you've noticed that the world lacks some integrity sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and that was an understatement that made her laugh. I'm glad. 
but the world doesn't have a lot of integrity sometimes, and that can drive you particularly nuts. Yeah. However, I don't how, understand. Don't mm. understand. You so that can be difficult for people with simian lines, which is what the old palmists talk about. Is there's nothing wrong with with you if you listener have a simian line? Go to my Instagram and you can discover that, or get a reading from me and you can discover it. Um, but if you have a simian line, there's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with society not making a space for people with this beautiful gift. So your gift in the world is you are the person that stands for integrity, that you bring integrity into the world. You also have a very pronounced girdle of Venus. Mm -hmm. The girdle of Venus is up here. Um, uh, It's the line that goes, uh, starts between the index and middle finger and ends between the pinky and the ring finger. It's this little um, scooped line up at the top. Very rare. Uh, It's a very good, very distinct girdle of Venus as well Mm -hmm. here at the top of your hand. Hephaestus is Aphrodite's husband, and he always created amazing jewelry and was an amazing craftsman. And he created a girdle for her, gorgeous, finely woven gold for her to wear. And this is what this is named after. This is a superpower in your empathy, especially in the world. So you have, not only do you have this integrity of the world and frustration that the world doesn't have a lot of uh, integrity, but you also have this empathy in the world. And so these can be challenging because you have the empathy about the world, but they're also a superpower where you're, where you know what the world needs. You understand what people and, and you understand what is needed in the world, even before people can maybe utter it because you have that Mm -hmm. empathic sort of sense of things in the public. So it's a beautiful and there's so much more to your hand, but those are two things that stood out to me that were remarkable. And I thought, Oh my gosh. Yes. Brandy is amazing. Ooh. Well, that's a wonderful thing that you do, Jim. That's an amazing amount of knowledge and insight that you have. That's so lovely. And it's so positive too. I mean, when people say I'm going to do a reading, I'm like, are you going to talk about my mother issues? You know? <laughs> oh no. Yes. Thanks for being open to it. Only if you want to. <laughs> people sometimes you know palmistry gets a bad rap for being negative and right. i'm really committed to look you know your hands were were divinely created and there is nothing negative nothing inherently negative that shows up on your hands there's nothing inherently negative in your chart and there's nothing inherently negative in those tarot cards i just spread out for you either these are just information and reflection that we can use or anything about your body everybody is perfect no matter what Every way you are in the world is perfect, no matter what. Yes, I, I really firmly believe this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. It turns out that it's lovely. Yep, we're we are all the best at being ourselves. As it turns out, nobody can be you better than you, no matter who you are. So, oh, I was going to delegate. It. I was going to oh. delegate being me to someone. Well, that's Dang part it. of how good you are. You can delegate to other people <laughs> <No>. now. <laughs> I'm going to keep being me. I guess. Oh, well, I suppose that's probably a good idea. I'm glad. So, yes. And this is why we wanted to do little palm readings every once in a while is to remind people it's not scary. It's really informative and it's all positive. So it's just, you know, what do you want to do with the information? So there you go. So fun. Thank you for letting me read your palm. It was a delight to see how gorgeous and amazing your hands are. Yes. Thank you. All right, Brandy. This has been just wonderful. You, you, it's lovely to meet both of you. And I, I, we're we're local. We should meet meet. 
Yes, Crafternoons, right? We got to get Cra- the anti city in here too. Yes. <laughs> Let's have a Crafternoon. Ooh, bones and cords. Oh my gosh. Please. Yes, please. Let's do this. So. <laughs> Brandy, how can people find you? What is the best way for people to keep up with you if they want to find, like, attend a class online or in person one day, social media, upcoming classes, book tours? Tell us where the best place is to keep up with your up to date info. So my name is Brandy Williams author. There's so many Brandy Williams out there. So I standardized on Brandy Williams author and you can find Brandy Williams author.com Brandy Williams author on Facebook, Brandy Williams author on Instagram. And I, I tend to do more Instagram and um, I, I update my webpage. I'm not as active on Facebook, but I do cross post there. So you can check any of those media that you, that, that you're attracted to and, I'll, I'll post what I am doing. The next thing I'm doing, um, I'm going to try to go, I've, I've been invited um, to present at Babylon Rising, which is in, in Indiana. Um, and I'm going to try to do it. It's in June. We'll see if it's it's safe enough to travel. You know, so that's that's my next, uh, my next appearance. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, very yeah. good. Babylon Rising. That sounds really cool. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. fun. Gosh, the whole other I- world. i like her she likes puns too (laughs) (laughs) we're ridiculous we people don't laugh you know people are so serious they really love that you're like you just have fun absolutely i mean magic is about imagination and joy Mm -hmm. i'm on my tradition my magical tradition works a lot with the fae and that is really about um not taking it too seriously having a good balance between reverence and mirth and you know it without laughter like what the hell are you doing it for it's okay <laughs> Just play along don't miss getting your own copy of chord magic Da-da-da. and then once you're done reading it buy this can- book Yes, do it. Let us know how you liked it by either messaging Brandy or dropping us a line at uh, knitaspellpodcast at gmail.com. Or remember, you can always get your own palm reading from our very own James Devine at thedivinedehand.com. Or, um, you know, maybe you're interested in some knitting patterns, which you can find at lightfromlantern.com. And go visit brandywilliamsauthor.com. Stay up to date. You do not want to miss... Brandy Williams, when she speaks and teaches, whether it's online or in person, I just feel like I'm a better human spending time with you, Brandy. Yes. It must be all that integrity. Yeah. It's that integrity. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks again. And until next week, see you guys later. So long. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget, new episodes of Knit a Spell are conjured every Wednesday. Learn more at knitaspell.com and follow our Instagram page at knitaspell. If you have a quick second to support the show, feel free to drop us a review on iTunes or share this with a friend. Jim and I appreciate your support and look forward to seeing you next week.